Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is episode 39 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and we are going to uh, be discussing episode 6 of The Chosen, uh, the miniseries The Chosen, which is, um, which is titled Indescribable Compassion. And uh, joining me once again is the illustrious Brendan Taylor. Hello, everyone. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> the, the illustrious potentate. The illustrious potentate. As, as, yeah. some, as Ray Stevens would say. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. So... Um, this is a uh, this is an interesting episode. Um, several things are starting to come to a head, and um, there's only there's only eight episodes in season one, and they are from what I understand they are almost done with season two. So mm-hmm. it'll, I don't know when it'll it come out. Maybe soon. Maybe so. Um, I, I know if you uh, if anyone wants to follow the chosen on social media whether that's through Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok, if, if anyone knows what TikTok is, uh, they, they post, it's that noise the clock makes, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, but, uh, the chosen social media team, they're always posting, uh, behind the scenes footage of just the cast being silly and, you know, little, little jokes here and there. It's very, it's very fun to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And they're put, they put stuff out all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, so this episode opens up and they always have a, so they always have, you know, an opening scene before the music, you Mm -hmm. know, before the little intro thing. And, and the opening scene always sort of sets, kind of sets the episode. Yes. It it is, it is the opening scene in my observation as a non-drama expert Mm -hmm. always seems to encapsulate kind of the central theme of the episode. Would you agree? I don't. I don't know if I would go as far as to say encapsulate, but it definitely sets the it sets the tone. It it, it lays down the foundation for the encapsulation later on in the episode. Okay. Okay. But that's that's uh, uh, semantics and yes. But your your point still stands. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> of course. So so the opening scene in in episode six is. Um, there's a bunch of people standing in line outside a shop, a, a, a building. It's it's the marketplace, and they're all carrying stuff. You find out that it's a pawn. There's a pawnbroker inside, which mm-hmm. I guess that you know, pawnbrokers have always been around. Mm-hmm. So a guy comes in um, and he's trying to sell some tools, which is a which is a strange thing back then, right? But tools in in most cultures that are not wealthy, tools are money. Yeah. Right, so yeah. you don't give up your tools very easily. But he says he's on his way to the Dead Sea. Uh, he claims that they weren't stolen, and the the pawnbroker, as pawnbrokers are wont to do, offers him kind of a low ball price. That's right. On this, yeah, that's right. Um, and he doesn't, he's not really happy about that. But he's, he, you know, he has no choice. So he's going to accept it. So he, as the as the pawnbroker hands the the money out to the seller, you get a look at at the 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 seller's arms and he's got leprosy mm-hmm. and that leads to a kind of a big kerfuffle. Yeah. Is the, that a word? Uh, yeah, that's a word. Yeah. Is I, it, I use it quite is frequently. It, is it a legitimate word? Or it, is it, it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, no, it's a word. It's in the, I, I do believe it's in the dictionary. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, naturally the, the pawnbroker starts, you know, kind of recoiling horror as, mm-hmm. as everyone 
did. Yeah, you know, with he, leprosy. He even takes his he takes a cane or some kind of you know long stick or branch or something, and he and he pushes the dude with leprosy down. He's like, "Get out of here! I can't I can't breathe right. your air. I can't do anything like that." Yeah, and in the process, um, drops kind of drops the money. Yeah. So the guy yeah. the guy bends down, um, scoops up the the coins. Um, he tells the the buyer that he didn't mean him any harm, and then he takes mm-hmm. the takes the money and leaves. So that's like that's it. That's the opening scene. So you got this you got this leper who's just sold it, selling his tools. He can't work anymore, obviously, yeah. because mm-hmm. he's so he needs some money. He's and yeah, we we probably need to say something about leprosy in New Testament times. We, we obviously didn't understand it like we do now. Um, what, what's what's the what's the modern term for leprosy? Do you remember? It's, uh, is it I, Hansen's I, disease? I, I think it's called coronavirus. <laughs> I, no, I, no, I didn't know. I didn't know there's a modern term for it. I just yeah, it was I think leprosy. I think today they call. It, I think it's Hansen's disease. Hmm. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I think that's. I think that's right. Um, and of course, we understand it now a, a lot better. So it's not as contagious as it was. Sure. You know, you don't hear. Leprosy still exists, and people get it. Uh, even here in the states, they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, armadillos, interestingly enough, which we had lots of in Texas, and we actually have them here on on the um, uh, on the property here uh, here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, lep- um, armadillos carry the the bacteria. I think it's a bacteria that causes leprosy. So uh, you are correct in Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease. Yes, that's what that, I thought. Is, that is what it is. Yes, yes. Um, so we understand that better. Back then, they didn't. You know, if you if you got leprosy, boy, nobody wants anything to do with you. So if you had a family, you had to leave your family. Mm-hmm. You had to leave your home. You had to go. You know, the Old Testament will talk about lepers and say you have to you have to go live outside the camp. Mm-hmm. So you 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 basically are ostracized from even your own family. You can't take part in religious life anymore, so you can't go to synagogue. You can't do anything. So there would be these little leper colonies that yeah. that sprang up where lepers lived together, right? And uh, a horrible disease uh, went before they could treat it. It's now treatable, yeah, right? So, um, so there's that. Anyway, they they could have done their part to flatten the curve if they, they if they had just worn their masks. If they had worn their masks and, they could and socially have, distanced. That's right. That's right. So they so the the pawnbroker is really really getting after this social distance thing. That's you right. Know, poking the guy. That's right. Yeah. He he doesn't wear a mask for himself. He wears a mask for you. That's right. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So. Um, Okay, so so then we then we start getting into the main scenes after the after the music, and there's a couple of threads that are coming together, right? There, so there's Matthew, Matthew's going to be a thread, and his, you know, after the fish, mm-hmm. after the miraculous catch of fish, Matthew is he saw something in that that he does not know how to explain, and it has it is eaten on him, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So his curiosity is going to bring him more and more into the center of all that that's going on here. So there's that. There's the issue with Nicodemus. His his story is developing and it's going to come to fruition next week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Pharisee Jewish religious leader thing typified by Shemuel, who none of us like. 
Yeah, uh, we're not supposed to either. We're not supposed to. <laughs> yep, they, they played that well. That, that's right. Um, and then Jesus is becoming, since the wedding, that wedding feast that we talked about last week, mm-hmm. you, you can't hide that. Like everybody, people were there. People people know what happened, mm-hmm. right? And he's once, beca- that, once that first cut is made... There's no turning back. There's no turning back. That's mm. right. That's right. Mm. That's a line from the from the last episode that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So so uh, now Jesus is going to start drawing a crowd. And we're going to see that today. So, um, um, let's see. Where do I want to start in all this? Um, we see a little little scene with Matthew and Gaius. Yeah. Um, and they're standing there looking at the loot from Simon's catch. Mm-hmm. And Matthew says that it's going to catch he and Andrew up for two years and seven weeks. Matthew's got it calculated down to the week, right? So yep. it's a pile of loot, right? It is, it, is what, it is what you would think of whenever you think of a pirate's treasure chest. Yes. Like a full-sized yeah. treasure chest full of, like you said, two... Gold doubloons. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, two years and seven weeks worth of, of taxes. Right, Yeah. right. Um, so Matthew came back, and of course he's he's told people the story. So the Romans are now hearing this story about mm-hmm. what happened there. Um, the, the 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 Jews are hearing the, about the wedding feast, and probably some about Peter's deal too. So word is starting to get out that there's a miracle worker around, big time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to come back to to Matthew here in a bit. Um, the next scene, um, Nicodemus is talking to the to the council about his visit with John the Baptist, and Nicodemus has concluded, and what he reports to the council is that John presents no material threat to Herod or to the public peace, and basically, they should just let it, sort of let John sort of go, like fizzle out. Yeah, fizzle yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the I've bet Dean, when we've talked about him before, he's sort of the head of the of the council. Um, he says that John's got a following, and they heard about him from Shemuel's testimony. Um, Nicodemus again says that you're you're just you're investigating like you would a, a loud noise, like mm-hmm. there's no, there's nothing to see here. Um, and the more we try to keep him silent and keep him in prison, it's just going legit, to legitimize him more. Yeah. Um, yeah. The council tells Nicodemus, we didn't order him to be arrested. Like, we're not keeping him in prison. Um, And Nicodemus says, this is new information for us, that he was shown sworn statements by the Romans that says that a Pharisee ordered his detention. Mm -hmm. So they all talk about it a little bit. Well, no, but, you know, we didn't order this. Who did it? Finally, Shemuel speaks up and admits that he was the one that turned him in. He says he will not turn a blind eye to his sin even when everyone else does. Um, the fact that John called them all a brood of vipers is really a sticking point to him. He doesn't mm-hmm. like he doesn't like the insult. He he he's a little bit arrogant, and we're going to see that coming out more and more in him. Um, the 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 head guy, the I've bet Dean, mm-hmm. he is he, he's upset at the fact that Shemuel did this. Um, he has um, drawn undue attention to them um, in the eyes of Rome. And they're astonished that any student of the great Nicodemus would have the temerity to bypass 
his approval and just act independently. Yeah, basically go like go over his head, go over and, his head, and just make a make a a unilateral decision on his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they Nicodemus says he's going to deal personally with Shemuel. The Avbet Dean says orders Shemuel to submit to Nicodemus, which he's not going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not whatsoever. And then the then the council is adjourned. So. So we got this thing going on. So we're going to see a conversation between Shemuel and Nicodemus here in a bit. Um, the next scene, the, the disciples are out in their camp. Um, Jesus tells them his, that his mother is leaving uh, that, and, and going back to Nazareth, and he's going to ex- escort her so that mm-hmm. she stays safe. And um, they're all headed to Capernaum, and he says, I'll catch up with you at Capernaum. Um, Simon says... Don't worry, Lord, I'll make sure everybody gets there. I'll head up this convoy and we'll I'll get everybody there safe. You know, he's Psalm, Simon sees himself as kind of the sort of the leader and the protector of the mm-hmm. of the bunch. And of Jesus, we're gonna see. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus says, No, I want you to go ahead because you have some family business to attend to. And Simon said, No, well, no I can like I can do this. I can protect the others. And then Jesus says, in time you will, but the others don't have families, and you do. And he says, look at me. I'm leaving all this fun to escort my Ema. So paying attention to family is important to Jesus. Yeah. Right? Um, Jesus is very much um, embodying the honor your father and mother kind of thing. Right? It's not a... and, and, And as you know from the New Testament, that's one of the things the the religious leaders sometimes... They dishonored that commandment in order to do other things, right? They had right, a, there's right. a, there's some issues about that, right? So then there's a then there's a uh, an interesting dialogue between Matthew and Quintus. Mm-hmm. Matthew is still like he wants Quintus to understand exactly what happened. Quintus does not care, right? Right. What I mean, what is what's what's Quintus? Well, uh, what, what's the lens through which Quintus is viewing all this? Quintus is seeing is seeing all of this through the lens of money because he's thinking if if Simon can do this well under pressure, then can Simon do it again? Yeah. So so then Quintus starts trying to think of a way to uh, to basically force Simon to cr- produce this kind of yield on a regular again basis. Again, again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he even says he says. Um, uh, collections are up. Yeah, and you bet they're and up. they're 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 very happy about that. That was the that's the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, government always wants to make sure there's plenty of money in the coffers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, while they're sort of discussing this, a guy rushes in to tell Quintus that and this is another another Roman soldier rushes in to tell Quintus that Herod's envoy is approaching not Herod, but an, an envoy from mm-hmm. Herod. That's a big deal for, for Quintus. So he yeah. stops the conversations, orders his men to get ready for inspection. He promotes Gaius to primi. Mm-hmm. Now they don't explain what that is. It pro- that probably refers to, um, um, a, a, a rank called, um, uh, primus pilus. I think, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, what it what it basically means is that Gaius is now a senior officer mm. in the Roman army. He's he's moved into a whole new um, category of ranks. There's still much more higher he can go. So so it's in, in our um, 
the the way we might understand it, it's like moving from being an enlisted man to an officer, mm. right? Even okay. if you're a low level officer, like Gaius would be, he's still in a in still a higher category. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. in Rome, this was a this was a big deal militarily. It was also a big deal socially too. Uh, what mm. it meant was that he would gain entry into kind of a higher social class when he retired. So he's he's very happy about this, well, sure. this promotion. Yeah. Quintus then says he what he loves about Matthew is the way that he interprets the world. And he gives him a gives him a scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scenario he's given him is it, it sounds theoretical, but you, you get the idea the scenario really has to do with Quintus and this envoy. Yeah. Right? They know each other. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So the scenario he gives for to Matthew to to react to is you're about to be visited by a childhood rival whose father gave him everything while your father gave you nothing. So this is this we're this is the background, yeah. presumably. For, and you can and you can tell it's personal. It's very personal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so and and he says you want to make it clear that you've won that that it's your meeting, even if he arrived unannounced. So that's the scenario. And Matthew says, just without thinking, he says. So I would show him my plans for infrastructure. Conquest is not simply conquering nations, but imposing a way of life. This is so bizarre for a Jew to be saying this, right? Yeah. To uh, to a Roman, you know, you need to impose your way of life. Oh, that's just b- bizarre for a Jew to be saying that. There's probably some... This is... I'm just thinking about this right now. There's probably something a little bit um, prophetic maybe about this like what's Jesus doing Jesus is calling people there there is a conquest element to to Jesus arrival on earth he's defeating the powers of darkness but he's also calling people to a different way of life yeah not imposing it so much but inviting people into a different way of living yeah um, might be some foreshadowing there maybe foreshadowing yeah that's the right word not prophecy yeah see I you got the drama stuff going. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, well, Quintus is astonished with with Matthew's um, advice. There, he says that's unbelievable. So even, simple. Even flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Matthew has shown Quintus very simply how to deal with his rival. Yeah. So now we start getting in. Like I feel like in this whole episode, the the more we get into it, the faster things move. Yeah. Right. Yes. And when you get to the 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 part where the, the sort of end part, scenes are changing really really fast. Right. The camera angles are like something different every few seconds. It almost seems like. Yeah. In fact, there's a video of this week's um, of this scene of the end scene, the the healing of the paralytic. I'll give it away. <laughs> there's a video on the chosen website. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Did you did you have a chance to did you see that video? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so I, I watched it. and I'll put a link in the show notes. But Dallas Jenkins says, and and it it'll basically show the whole scene. But then there's a little commentary up front by Dallas Jenkins, and he says that they intended to, to do that. I I'll say I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get closer because we're not there yet. But the the action starts picking up faster and faster as we move through this episode. That's yeah. the that's the point at, at this point. So. Jesus and the disciples are together. They're traveling down the road, and they inc- encounter a black woman. Now, this is the first black woman that we've seen in the Chosen, I think. 
well, no, there was... Uh, was there somebody else? There was... Back when Mary was still being called Lilith, uh, the woman that talked to Nicodemus on the rooftop while Lilith slash Mary was screaming in her room, the woman that was talking talking that's to right. Nicodemus. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's now, right. now we're not we're not introduced to her. Like we don't know her name. Yeah, was it the same woman? I I don't th- I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, so there's this there's this black woman. She's on she's on the road. She's um, she's picking flowers to sell in the market. And Mary stops to talk to her, mm-hmm. right? She's traveling with a bunch of guys. Here's another woman. Let's talk. They realize very quickly that she's Egyptian. And so Jesus starts talking to her and he speaks to her in Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I grew up in Egypt too. And he says, your necklace reminds me of the things I saw in my childhood. Uh, she, so she introduces herself. She is Tamar of uh, Heliopolis, mm-hmm. which is in Egypt. Um the disciples are astonished that Jesus can speak Egyptian. I bet Jesus can speak other languages too. <laughs> I'd be right? willing to put money on it. Um, but he says he grew up there, um, and he says that they had to leave Bethlehem when he was two years old because of Herod and the the, the massacre. What he calls the massacre of the innocents. Mm-hmm. So we know that we know that story if we read the Gospels. Um, and while they're talking about all this, a leper approaches on the road and it's the guy not just any leper not just any leper but the leper from the pawn shop mm-hmm. right and um the disciples pull out knives like they're they're trying to defend themselves from this guy right because he's a lepers are a threat like you didn't want to have any contact with a leper and if they get close you you know you're going to pull out your knives and, and defend yourself so they don't get close enough right yeah um jesus stops them and he says it's okay and he walks up to the leper and the disciples are trying to stop him, right? But he's not going to be deterred. And the leper says, please, please don't turn away from me. And Jesus says, I won't. Um, and the leper says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Um, turns out his sister was at the wedding feast mm-hmm. and saw what Jesus did. And so word's starting to spread, word's getting out, everybody's starting to hear about this guy. And so he says, I know you can heal me if you're willing. Jesus says, I am willing. And then he does something that no one would ever have done. He reaches out and touches him um, on the shoulder. Now, I've, I've heard people talk about the fact that Jesus touched lepers but I want to I want to pause here and talk about that. So you th- you think about that. Somebody that is that contagious. Um, I don't probably I don't know. I don't I don't even think coronavirus is is equivalent. We talked about somebody running up and hugging somebody. It's got coronavirus. I don't even think it's that. I don't know what we would have in our, in our modern day that's equivalent. But you didn't touch lepers. Yeah. So so if you think about it. This guy, we don't, you know, he, I don't think he's been a leper for very long, but some, some lepers have been a leper a long time. They haven't, they haven't had human touch. I mean, you think about how important is human touch to most of us, right? Well, I would say to everyone. To everybody. It's a, it's right? a, it's a need. We, we need it. There was a, there was a, um, there was a experiment, I guess you can call it, years and years and years ago. It was overseas in some place in Europe, First World War, Second World War, somewhere in there. And they had a bunch of kids in an orphanage. And they separated them into two groups. And the one group of kids 
um, never got any human touch. They just came, they came in and gave them food and left, right? The second group got all kinds of human touch, and they said that the, the results were astonishing how those kids developed. The, the ones that never got any human touch were maldeveloped their entire lives. Like, they never recovered from, from that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it is, human touch is critically important to, to all of us, especially, especially children, especially children. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so you think about this guy. So I've always sort of thought, and I've heard other people talk about this, when Jesus reaches out to touch that leper, could he have healed him without touching him? Sure. Right? But he touched him. So why did Jesus touch the leper? Because he needed it. I was going to say, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah. Like they, he, he's conveying more to that leper than just healing. Yeah. Than just physical, physical healing, but also right. emotional healing. He is, um, he's conferring, I guess you could say he's conferring acceptance. Yeah. 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 Love. Things that, uh, that that man probably had not felt in a long time. Yeah. Like, and again, not just. Uh, so we can so we say you know it's not just physical healing but it's also you know emotional healing or spiritual healing but how often is it that the spiritual and the physical are one Inter- in, intertwined intertwined yeah. maybe maybe not necessarily one and the same but definitely intertwined and we we get a bigger glimpse of that at the end of the episode with the healing of the paralytic when Jesus says you know who can which is easier to say is it uh you know, your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. But Jesus intertwines them. There's the, the spiritual healing and then right. there's the physical healing. Right, so, right. Uh, there, there's something there. There's, yeah. a, there's we, a bone we not, to chew on. Yeah, absolutely. We, we are not um, single-dimension beings. We body, mind, and spirit. We, we, we've got all those things. Um, the, the, the ancients would say body and soul, mm-hmm. right? And... Jesus cares about both of those. Sometimes, I, so I would say, uh, this is, I'm getting off in the weeds here. In our modern era, we sometimes think God is only interested in the spiritual. Well, that's, I would say that's a Greek idea, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, 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 it absolutely is. It absolutely yeah. is. And it's carried over into 2020. It, right? It, we yeah. think, um, I, I, a lot of religious people think God's only interested in the the state of the soul, mm-hmm. and that he doesn't really care about physical stuff. I don't, you can't read the Gospels and, and come to that conclusion. You know, he he always cares about the whole being, mm-hmm. the whole being. Yeah, yeah. So so Jesus reaches out and touches this leper, and he says, "Be cleansed." And immediately you can look at his arm, and they did did some neat things here. You can see the a, a, this patch of leprosy on his arm. Start to fade and disappear, mm-hmm. and on his and on his chest, he's got a big patch on his chest too, and you see it sort of fade away, and he's perfectly clean, and he knows it, and he falls into Jesus' arms, crying, mm-hmm. and amid his tears, he says, "What can I ever do?" Jesus says, not surprisingly, if you've read the the, the Gospels, he says, "Don't say anything to anyone." He mm-hmm. says, "He said," and and the lepers astonished with that. He says, "You don't seek your own honor." Well, of course not. Jesus has never sought his own honor. Um, but but he says, do this one thing. Go and show yourself to the priest. Let him inspect you to see that you're cleansed and then make the proper, proper offering in the temple 
as Moses commanded. Um, do this right. Follow the law. Right. This is mm-hmm. the way this is, this is supposed to be governed. Make sure you do it properly. And then go on your way. And then he turns to, to the disciples and he says, who's got an extra tunic? This guy is poorly clothed. His clothes are ripped and torn. And, yeah. Yeah. and so they, they trip over each other to try to find a tunic. Yeah. Right. Everybody <laughs> yeah. wants to be the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember who, who gets it, I, who, yeah, I can't who draws it, their yeah. tunic first. Might have been, um, it wasn't Little James. Big James? No, I don't think it was Big James either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, don't either know. way. But they give, him a, they give him a tunic. Jesus, Jesus helps him put it on, and it's, a, it's green. And Gene, Jesus says, I, I love the little details like this. Jesus says, green is definitely your color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not too shabby, he said. And then they hug again. And, and all while this is going on, remember Tamar, who was picking flowers over on the side of the road, she's watching all this, and her eyes get big, and she's, she's astonished, and she hurries off somewhere. We'll find out where later. Oh, yeah, we'll right? find out. Yeah. So so then we get, the, the next thing we see is uh, Zebedee, right? James and John's father with his wife, Salome, up on the roof. And I don't know what they're doing, drying figs or, uh, I don't know. I yeah, don't know what uh, they're doing. Right, making raisins, raisins and something, yeah. something like that. But assembling a charcuterie board. A charcuterie board, that's right. That's right. Um, so they're up on the roof. And from the roof, they have a good vantage point, and they see some. He sees some people coming, and he says, "Salome, they're coming," and they run down, and it's James and John, their kids, mm-hmm. and Jesus, and the rest of the disciples, except Peter. Um, you mean Simon? Simon, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish we'd get to the point where he changes his name. Quick, oh, so. that that may not be till for another couple seasons. I know, I know. They, I did good last week. Did you notice? I, I, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so they run, they run down off the roof, greet him with a hug, and Salome sees Jesus and doesn't know how to greet him. Right? Jesus says hello, and she looks instantly into his eyes, and there's this awkward silence for a minute as they sort of gaze at each other, mm-hmm. and then she says, "James, John, listen to him. Stay by his side." So there's something that happened in that gaze that just got a hold of Salome, right? She invites him into the house, and Jesus says, well, you know, there's going to be some others joining us. And she says, that's fine, no no problem. Uh, Zebedee asks where Simon is and um, is told that he's taking care of some things at home. Um, James and John tell him that uh, Simon's the teacher's pet. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's funny, that's funny. Um. So in the next scene, we see Simon at home taking care of Eden's sick Ema, mm-hmm. right? We remember that he, his Ema, um, Eden's mother, had moved in, and now Simon's taking care of her, and he's being very tender, wiping her brow with, with a washcloth with water. Singing to her. Singing to her, to her. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, just very sweet. There he, there he was making fun of, uh, making fun of little James. For being a for singer. Being a singer. And then here he is, yeah, you know. Right, right, right. Um, and then he comes out and, and he says, she's asleep. Um, and Andrew comments on Simon's soulful singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> soulful. I, that's, the, that's, the, that's the adjective everybody seems to get these days, by the way. Like we watch The Voice sometimes. Oh yeah, you ever watch yeah. The Voice? No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Well, they're always they're always talking. You know, people come out and they sing, and then the the coaches all and like 
nine out of 10 of them, they say, oh, that was so soulful. Soulful. Mm. Like that's the, that's become the in adjective to describe yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I notice things like that. Anyway, um, so Simon and Andrew leave the house and they notice there's, there's Matthew now. So he's watching them. And Simon says, tax man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Matthew greets them. And um, Simon says, yeah, he thinks Matthew's still watching him. And Simon says, I guess no one told you the good news. We squared our deal, our debts with, uh, with Quintus. Isn't that great? So go back to your cage and stop following us. Yeah. He says. And uh, Matthew tells him that it, it, he's not interested in them. Right? He's, mm-hmm. he's interested in Jesus, this, this guy. I mean, he says, I'm here about the man at the shore that made the fish appear. And, and Simon, Simon, get, Simon, all of a sudden he, he's putting two and two together because yeah. he doesn't trust Matthew, right? Yeah. Matthew is a, Matthew is a threat still. And so he thinks that Matthew's wanting to turn Jesus in to the Romans. Yeah. So Matthew grabs or Simon grabs Matthew and it looks like he's about, they're about to come to blows. He's about to beat him. Yeah. Right. Like and, Simon even uh, rears back a punch. And yeah. And Andrew comes in and breaks him up. Yeah. And Simon says, you didn't see anybody at the shore. Yeah. Right. Um, but Matthew says, but I did. I was there. I saw. You know, Matthew's, Matthew doesn't know how to lie. Yeah. No. Or, As Quinn just says, there's no guile. There's no guile in yeah. Matthew. Yeah. Um, uh, so Simon says, the first thing you did was tell Rome, huh? And Matthew says, they don't believe me. And, and Simon draws back to, to, you know, clock him. And he says, you really are a traitor. Best for you to forget it. Andrew tells him to go home. Yeah. Um, and Matthew says, they don't believe what I saw, but I do. I need to know. Am I deceived? So there's something about what he witnessed that Matthew is not going to rest until he gets to the bottom of it. And and Andrew says something really cool. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say to uh, to Matthew, it's almost like a stumbling block, something that he just can't get over. He can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got to know. He's got to know. Mm-hmm. Got to figure this out. And Andrew says, so he so um, Matthew asks Simon, am I, "Am I deceived in what I saw?" And Andrew says, "What good is our answer if you don't even listen to yourself?" Yeah. That's a good question, mm-hmm. right? Like, believe your own eyes. You think you saw it? What do you, what do you think you saw? That's a good question. Trust your trust what you saw. Uh, okay, so we're back at we're back at Zebedee's house, and um, Zebedee asks Jesus, "So your father was a fisherman?" And Jesus says, "No, he was a carpenter." Uh, is he is he back in Nazareth? He asks, and Jesus says. No, he's in heaven. Finally, <laughs> for for centuries now, everybody's been wondering what happened to Joseph. And now the Chosen has given us a definitive, ironclad, absolute answer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the suspicion that most people have had for forever, is yeah. that somehow along the line, Joseph must have died. Yeah. And so they're, they're playing into that here, right? Um, and then Zebedee asks him, well, what's your father's lineage? Jews are always, they're always like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That is a big deal um, to know what tribe are you from, where, what's, your, what's your lineage, right? 
Well, um, leave it to Matthew later on. He'll figure out that lineage. When, when I don't know. In the book of Matthew, isn't Matthew's lineage focused on Joseph? Oh, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cho- chosen episode notwithstanding, but in the Bible, isn't Matthew's lineage? Oh, I can't remember. In Joseph, and then John's lineage is in, or no, not John. Luke's. Luke, yeah, Luke's lineage is through Mary, or or is it swapped around? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't remember. Listeners, if you know. Feel free to comment on the episode. That's and, right, and let us know. Let us know. Correct us. I could. I could have looked that up. I just didn't bother. Yeah. 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 So anyway, well, Jesus' answer to that question is that um, his his father's lineage was Josiah, father of Jeconiah at the time of the exile, and Zebedee says, "But before the exile, what tribe?" And then Salome jumps in and she says, "I would guess from the tribe of Judah." And Jesus says, and why would you guess the tribe of Judah? Salome says, well, and she's about to answer. She's about to say, Mm -hmm. I think, something like, well, we all know the Messiah is to come from the tribe of Judah. Mm -hmm. That was a common belief um, that the Messiah would would come from Judah. Um, And it comes mainly from um, a passage in Genesis 49, uh, verse 10, where um, Jacob is blessing his 12 sons before he dies. And he puts his hand on each of them and gives them a blessing. And, and it's his blessing is somewhat prophetic into who they're going to be and who their tribes are going to be down yeah. the line. And um, Jacob will say to his son Judah, um, he will say, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. It's kind of a big passage. Mm-hmm. But it sort of gives the, you know, a scepter was what you ruled. You know, you, a king had a scepter, so you'd rule. Um, and, and, and so there was this idea in Judaism um, that comes from Genesis 49.10. And I think Salome is about to say some of that, right? Yeah. But she doesn't get to say it because right about that time, some neighbors come in and it is um, a woman named Mara and her husband, and I didn't catch his name. I, I think it was something like Ileon, but I, I don't I don't, I, I don't think I caught it either. Yeah. And she jumped, uh, Mara comes and she's got questions. <laughs> and she jumps right in, just horns her way into this conversation. She says to Jesus, we've heard about you, and I've got a question, the parable of the net. And Simon tries to put her off, you know, master's tired, he has a long day of walking, you know, leave him alone. Jesus says, no, 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 this is fine, this is fine. And so she she says, she talks about the fact that Jesus said angels would come and separate the evil from the righteous mm-hmm. kind of at the end of time. And how soon do you think that day will come? And then Jesus tells them kind of an adapted version of the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, which you can read about in, in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, or there's a, there's a verse in the uh, Gospel of Luke um, 12, 35. Mm-hmm. But as he's telling the story... Another guy and his wife arrive and they stand outside and they talk through the window. So there's a crowd starting to gather here, right? Um, and Simon notices the crowd. Yeah. And he's worried about the crowd because what is, what is, like, what is, what's Simon's, what's Simon's concern about crowds? Uh, that they're dangerous for Jesus. Uh, and that, uh, that someone's going to try to either attack him or uh, there, there's like a concern for Jesus' Jesus's safety. Uh, so Simon's 
Simon's always looking for uh, a safe passage out uh, just in case things get heated, especially with uh, either Pharisees or Roman guards in the mix. Yeah, and I'll, yeah, yeah, I almost get the idea that he's worried. I mean, Simon's had history with the Romans, so he's... Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> right now, the Romans are a bigger threat to him personally than the than the uh, than the Pharisees are. Yeah, yeah. But but you're right. You're right. They're, they're, like crowds are always bad. Yeah. Right. Because it draws attention to things that you might not want to. And yeah. it's funny because early on in this, remember Simon when they were walking to the wedding feast, Simon says, "Well, let's get this thing underway." That's right. If there's right? going to be a crowd of of wealthy rich people there. Right. Right. You know. And now he's got the idea. Jesus wants to keep this under wraps. So Simon's like, "Okay, let's calm this down." Um, so, so he says to John, he says, it's getting too crowded here. And John says, don't worry about it. Uh, Ema and Abba, they love it. Um, but Simon says he's not worried about them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, and he, and he looks around and try, Simon's, Simon's like, um, he's like the, um, the, 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 the secret service, right? He's, he's putting himself sort of like, he's looking around trying to find an exfil, route yeah you know like if we if we need to get out of here quick which way do we go you know um and he's worried he says uh, um, all these people word starts spreading the wrong people stop by <laughs> so yeah. he, he's really trying to be jesus bodyguard and john says he called you to catch men simon and simon says i don't know what that means and john john says exactly and if he needed you to know what it meant he would have told you. So just be you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that and that good advice. Yeah. That's such great advice. We're always thinking ten steps ahead, trying to solve problems that haven't even materialized, instead of just trusting God in this moment and letting him unfold the future in his time. Yeah. I, I am I am one of the world's worst at that sort of stuff. Just trust Jesus. You be you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um and I think it's funny how Simon in this episode is like always, he's always tempered by someone else who, who, who is seeing yeah. like, the, like they're seeing the exact same thing that he's seeing. Uh, when it was with Matthew earlier, you know, Andrew was there. They were, you know, they were just doing the regular thing and Andrew was right there with Simon. And yet Simon was the one who was going into that catastrophic thinking that, yeah. that all or nothing or that black or white, yeah, black and white thinking. Uh, and Andrew was there to temper him. Now we've got John doing the same thing, you know, trying to temper him. You know, he's he's got the energy and he's got that uh, that dare I say it zeal. Yeah. You know, he's got it. Yeah. And it it takes that that temperance that uh, that helps him get through it. Yeah. The yeah. temperance from the, from the other people. Yeah. So and yeah. even even Jesus himself in some cases, uh, maybe not in this episode only. But certainly in, in previous episodes, uh, when you know when Simon is gun ready, so to say, he's he's, yeah. re- he's ready to draw. Right. Uh, you know Jesus or someone else, uh, Eden. You know he's always got someone to temper him. Yeah. So I yeah. I just I, I, I like the I like the thread. Well, they're he building. he needs tempering. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I gotta have a. I, I'm, I'm drinking coffee. Go ahead. My coffee is getting cool because I'm not drinking it fast enough. Yeah. And I got to drink it before it gets cold. That's right. It becomes undrinkable. Mm-hmm. As if it weren't already undrinkable enough because it's black coffee. That is a fine Ugh. thing. Ugh. A fine thing. Mm. We need a we need a uh, we need a sponsor. 
we need a coffee grower or a coffee producer as a sponsor. Um, Juan Valdez. We need we need some coffee company that's doing uh, that's giving a portion of their stuff to missions or something good. You know, I'm sure or, there's some out there, and and they can be a sponsor of the show and and give us coffee and we'll we'll drink it. So we could do like a do like or well, you know, if we're not doing the chosen episode, it might just be you, but. You could do a, hmm, I could go for some so-and-so coffee right now. Yeah. And yeah. then have just an inner show but commercial. Be, but it has to be good coffee, right? Because I'm, I'm fussy well, about my coffee. Well, yeah, good. It has to be good. I was going to say, most of that charity coffee ain't necessarily good. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, okay. All right, now now we get Nicodemus and Shemuel coming head-to-head here. Mm-hmm. Nic- Nicodemus... Um, they're, they're in a, in a room by themselves. Nicodemus gives him a scroll and asks him to read, uh, from the prophet Isaiah. And so Shemuel starts reading and, and, the, and the, the verse he reads is Isaiah 40 verse three, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for Adonai, make straight the way for our God. And Nicodemus says, Hmm, and who does that sound like? <laughs> and Shemuel says, the heretic John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Nicodemus says, what heresy do you find in those words? Um, being that Isaiah said them, right? And Shemuel, and, and we, st- we start getting a, 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 an, a, a, a glimpse into how Shemuel deals with Scripture. Yeah, He says the heresy is that John appropriated Isaiah's words of taking a spiritual description of God and applying it to John's physical successor mm-hmm. on earth. And then they have they have this fascinating discussion, um, and and I'm not gonna we're not gonna go through the whole thing because it's it's lo- kind of long, and you really need to see it, um, and it, and it 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 shows in my eyes anyway. There's two guys who are looking at scripture very differently. Um, Shemuel is parsing out every word of scripture and and treating it like a like a legal code that it's up to him then to, to enforce, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Nicodemus, I think, and I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not overdoing this here. He seems to to view Scripture as a means through which we encounter God. Mm. Do you think that's fair? Am I being fair? I think you're being fair. Yeah. yeah. So basically, we have a we have a conversation between a reformed and a progressive. Ah, yeah. <laughs> progressive. I don't know. I, see, progressive has such negative connotations. It to does, me. doesn't it? Right. It, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. A, a, a debate between sola scriptura and not sola scriptura. Uh, yeah. See, I don't even know. And I and I will admit I am using those terms very loosely. Very so, loosely. Yeah. So you yeah. know, don't don't write in. <laughs> I'm just I'm just stirring the pot. That's yeah. Just well, me. you can write in, and if we don't like your question, we'll ignore it. Hey, there you go. Right. right. <laughs> Um, but, but, um, but I mean, but this is something that speaks to Nicodemus. Uh, he, he is unlike most of the other Pharisees in that he is open to mystery and wonder. Yes. And he is, he is more, uh, he is more open to finding God beyond Torah and God beyond what he's been raised with as tradition. Yes. Whereas Shmuel or Shemuel, uh, he is, he is bound and determined to to keep it to the letter of the law. Yeah, yeah. Shemuel, um, uh, he, you know, he learns something in Scripture about God, and he believes that God is then bound by that one thing that he has learned, mm-hmm. right? 
Nicodemus asks a very good question in all this. He says, so would you place limits on the Almighty? Yeah. And Shemuel says, none that are not written in the law. So, so, so who is Shemuel? What, what is, what is Shemuel worshiping here? What is his, who's, what's his God? Is it, like is the, it God or is it scripture? Sounds like it's scripture. And, yeah. then, and it's like right immediately right after Shemuel says that Nicodemus says, and if God did something that you felt contradicted the Torah, would you tell him to go back into the box that you have carved for him? Or would you question your interpretation of Torah? Yeah, that is a great question. Yeah. That is a great question. That one. And and so if, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, I say long time, this is episode 39 or whatever it is. So we haven't been doing this that long. But if you've been listening from the beginning, you know that no one respects, respects scripture more than me. Like I am a huge advocate for scripture, right? Um, scripture is our, uh, it, it, it's probably the, the primary way that we, that we learn about God. Um, it is, we never outgrow scripture. It is, a, it is to be a, a regular part of our lives, right? It is, mm-hmm. I have, I have absolute respect for the, the inspiration of scripture and it's, it, it's governance of our lives, right? But God is bigger than scripture, Right? Um, the scripture contains the revelation about God, mm-hmm. but it doesn't tell us everything about God. Yeah. Right now, I don't think God is going to ever do anything co- that contradicts the the correct interpretation of scripture. I'll put that in there. Right. Right. But God is bigger than scripture. Um, God is. We're not going to get to the point in our mastery of scripture that God never surprises us. We're just not going to get there. God is always doing something that that is. Uh, you, you said mystery and wonder. Yeah, God yes. is full of mystery and wonder, and Nicodemus seems very willing to accept that. Scripture is my guide. Um, Scripture is going to be the the thing that governs us. But but once in a while, we may encounter God doing something we don't expect, and we need to be we need to be comfortable with that. Our problem is, Nicodemus says. Um, we are all still students, Shemuel, all of us. Our understanding will never be complete. And that's I think that's right. Shemuel says, it frightens me that I can no longer predict your rulings. Mm-hmm. So that so there are there are people, and, and I'm I'm that way, and you probably are too. We don't like uncertainty yep. in our lives. We like absolute. We like we like boundaries. We like we like to know how things are in an absolute kind of way. Yeah. Um, we're, we don't really like following a God who we don't know really where he's going to go and where he's going to lead us. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to try in our spiritual lives to sort of map things out. This is, and, and some of that's okay, right? There is a general way God operates. There's a general way he moves in this world and we can understand that, Yeah. Right. But in so doing, if we if we get too rigidly attached to those things, it robs us of the, of the adventure of following a God who loves us. And I think we don't want to get there. We don't want to become so rigid in our con- conceptions of God that we aren't... Because it's also true, sometimes we misunderstand Scripture. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and in so doing, misunderstand God. I'll say, just because we read the words on the page doesn't mean we fully understand what's being said. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, Nicodemus says, I don't want to live in some bleak past where God cannot do anything new. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I really resonate with that, with what he says. Um, and Shemuel, he doesn't get that at all. He says, was that your concern? God gave us his law. We, we have to uphold it. Like, this is it. God, This is all God, there is. God said it, Torah has it, and that settles it. Yeah. Bum, bumper sticker <laughs> on the cart. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I think there's something else in this too. And in, in like in this scene that we're going to see unfold for, for as long as we, I, I got a feeling, I'm just going to call this for the series, not for just this season, but for the series, I got a feeling we're not going to see Nicodemus in the, in the future as much as we see Shemuel, Shemuel. That th- may be, that I, may I, be true. I think they're building something up for Shemuel and, it sounds like here in this moment that uh, not only is Shemuel idolizing Scripture, but he's also idolizing Nicodemus as a person. Yeah. And and in this uh, conversation, there is uh, we can see welding or not, not welding. Uh, we can see welling up within Shemuel feelings of hurt, betrayal, uh, distrust. This is going, and I and I think it's from this that he's going to act out in negative ways going forward, which we get a glimpse of at the end of this episode. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, so I'm calling it now this, this well, little be, tension. You, you, yeah. You may, you may be right. I think, I think all the, all the conflict that Jesus had in scripture with the Pharisees are probably going to be embodied in Shemuel. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. In his character. And <coughs> excuse me. Um, Nicodemus doesn't really show up in in the Gospels much. Yeah. After his big conversation his, with Jesus, his big John chapter three. Talk. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So his his character is probably going to diminish somewhat. Yeah. I don't know how much. We'll see. And were we on air when I told you what I found uh, regarding Nicodemus? What? I don't know if I, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast. I don't know, but go ahead, and, go ahead and say it. So so on a so on their again their social media their uh, TikTok uh, it's again another social media platform. Uh, they were showing scenes of uh, season two filming, and I left a comment on there saying you know don't spoil anything, but will we see Nicodemus in season two? And the response that I got back from from whoever's running their social media account was we're not allowed to give away surprises. Yeah. So, so I don't know. So we don't know. So it it makes me want more Nicodemus because I certainly want more Nicodemus. Well, I, I yeah, I, I like Nicodemus. I also like Eric Avari. Avari. Yeah. Yes. As, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's he's fine if he sticks it out the whole time. It's, yeah. That's perfectly good with me. Like I have anything to do with it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like anyone's listening to me and in, in about uh, well, and when I we want. when we have Eric Avaria as a guest on the cho- on the Jesus Society podcast, oh my god, you know then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Eric Avaria and Jonathan Rumi and uh, the guy that plays Simon, I can't think of his name. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. Or I, the guy oh, that plays Matthew. Gosh, what I would oh, love that <laughs> I would I would love to have those guys on as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, boy, oh boy, a- any be, of the cast really. That would be cool. That would be cool. Even Quintus, even you know, Quintus. you know, even Quintus, even old Quintus, yeah, yeah. or or, would, or Samuel, or Samuel, yeah. 
yeah, I'd have to not be hostile toward him <laughs> or, or the actor. Well, see, if if he can if he can play a bad guy well, then that just speaks to his ability as an actor, right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So. So anyway, so so Jesus or Nicodemus and Shemuel are having this conversation, and, and they're they're getting to the head. Of, Nicodemus invites Shemuel into a place of we can you know we can do both in this. We can respect Scripture, um, and we can. Um, 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 he say, he says he says let's look to the ancient roads where the good way is and walk in it as Jeremiah said, and he's referring to Jeremiah six sixteen, and still keep our eyes open to the startling and the unexpected. Can we agree on that? Like it's a good invitation. Shemuel says yes. Now keep that in mind because note you're going to notice how quickly he forgets that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just about that time, somebody barges into the room to tell Nicodemus that a crowd has gathered in the east side mm-hmm. of town to see a man preaching. And Shemuel bristles and says, well, who is he? Is he a Pharisee? Because, you know, of course, yeah. if he's not a Pharisee, nobody has the right to teach. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And the messenger said, no, he's a common person. Of course, Jesus is anything but common, right? Right, right. Um, but it's not John, he tells him. Someone normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus isn't exactly there's, normal either. There's that, there's that word again, normal. Right, right. But he has commanded the attention of the entire area. And Nicodemus says they're going to go uh, investigate. So now Zebedee's house is is ground zero in all this. Everybody is converging on there. The Pharisees mm-hmm. are headed that way. Um, the uh, the Romans are headed that way. Um, and this big crowd's gathered, right? So back at Zebedee's house, Jesus is still teaching. Uh, Salome is starting to fret because she's run out of food and water. Uh, she asks Mara to run next door to another neighbor, Deborah, uh, and ask her for some bread uh, to feed this crowd. Mara says, well, Deborah's part of the crowd. She's already here. She's yeah, listening. She, so she's, at not, the, she's at the front door. Right, she's at the front door. And Mary Magdalene is there too, and she smiles and says, they're already being fed. Yeah. And they are, right? Just not food, food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, back in the house, Jesus is talking about prayer, and Shula says, um, I don't like to pray out loud because I feel embarrassed around believers who know how to do it much better? Boy, do people feel that way, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus says, and, and, and boy, everybody needs to hear this. And Jesus says, ah, big words don't matter. A lot of that is for show anyway. Yeah, just for show. And it is. It is. I've, I've heard people say to me when you ask them to pray, oh, well, I don't know how to do it well. And oh, my word, is that a bad answer, right? Because it implies that there's a right way to do it. And I, oh, I hate all that. Yeah. Jesus says, don't worry about doing it in public. Better to go in your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who loved, who sees you in secret. That is so true. Remember in prayer, this is, this is, this is not for you, Brandon, because I know you get this. This is for um, our dear listeners out there. Yeah, like If you struggle with this, like remember that in prayer you are talking to your Father yeah. who loves you. Just talk to Him. Don't, don't worry about how it sounds or whether you stammer over getting the words right. Just talk to your father. Yeah. Tell him what's on your heart. And if you have to, if you have to do like we do, you know, we start saying something, think, well, I didn't say that right. Let me say that different. God's okay with that. Like you don't have to do all the these and the nows and the big words and the fancy schmancy. Talk to your father. Right. Um, Jesus says the same thing is true for giving to the needy. Don't, don't let your left hand know how your right hand is doing. Give, give generously 
without thinking about it. Don't do it to impress others. Don't even congratulate yourself in private, he says. Just give in humility. Good, yeah. good, good stuff. So, so there's a big plot development now coming. Tamar, the Egyptian woman who was picking flowers on the edge of the road, she shows up mm-hmm. to Zebedee's house. And she sees the crowd. And she turns around and says, come, come. And she has, she has brought some friends and her friends are carrying a guy who is paralyzed on a litter. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is the story of the healing of the, of the paralytic yep. that we can read about in scripture. Um, Jesus is, is, uh, is back inside and, um, <laughs> Jesus says, okay, all of you listening here, you're pretty decent people. Yes. Pretty righteous. And there's, there's silence. And Jesus says, kind of, <laughs> yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, let me tell you a story. And then he starts telling the story of the two men who go up to the temple to pray. There's mm-hmm. one, right? A, a rich guy, a rich religious or, uh, leader, a Pharisee. Yeah. Yeah. And then the and tax, a tax collector. collector. Yeah. Right. Um, that's Luke 18, 10 through 14. If you want to look it up. Um, Boy, this Chosen series is playing fast and loose with Scripture. Yeah, right, right. No, not really. <laughs> um, so, meanwhile, outside, and this is where this is where things starts to things start to happen really fast. The, the scenes are changing really fast. The cameras moving yeah. here and there, and really fast. A lot of a lot of things happening. Um, my gosh, we're at an hour yet, or already. We're at an hour yet. Yet. <laughs> Is that a Pennsylvania way of saying no, things? No, oh. no, it isn't. I just misspoke. No. Um, yeah. So Tamar is trying to work her way forward, get through the crowd. Simon's outside keeping keeping a, an eye on the crowd. Um, she says that her friend is paralyzed from the waist down. He needs to see Jesus. Mary Magdalene shows up. Simon says there's no room. Mary says, Simon, he deserves to see Jesus as much as anyone. Um It's a, it's a, for Simon, it's a big problem, right? So yeah. he tries to, he basically tries to put her off and Tamar pleads. She says, please help me get my friend to him. And then they all look back and Gaius has shown up with mm-hmm. the soldiers and Simon says, we've got company. Mary says to Tamar, come with me. And she, and they, and they, she leads him off somewhere. Andrew goes up to the Romans and tries, he's going to try to, to diffuse this situation. He says, yeah. this is a peaceful gathering. Matthew's watching from the sidelines. So everybody's there now, right? Jesus is now telling the story of the widow, widow who went to see the unjust judge um, and granted just to her, justice to her because she kept bothering him. Convenient story because yeah. Yeah. Tamar is going to be persistent about getting her friend in, in front of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um and and while all the maneuvering and jockeying is going around outside, Jesus is just calmly teaching, right? And then uh, Matthew Matthew and Simon's eyes meet in all this, which is a kind of an interesting little quick little scene. Yep. Quick little all these yep. are all these are getting real quick. Um, Mary cannot get Tamar close because of the crowds. Uh, Tamar says, but you know him. Can't you get us closer? Like, you, you, you know, you ought to be able to do this. Mary says, she did, so she's 
feeling awkward now. She says, I don't want to interrupt him by causing a scene. And then the paralyzed man, we haven't heard from him at all. He finally sits up and he speaks and he says, what if you were me? And then Tamar says, would you want your friends to make a scene? And that hits Mary hard. And she says, I was you. I was you, yeah. Once, right? Mm -hmm. So she gets this. Um, So Tamar looks up and says, what about the roof? And this seems like an okay thing. So, by the way, you want to read this whole thing, Luke 5, 17 to 26. This is the story. Um, and, and, the, and the video that we're going to put in the show notes, they, um, they make a big deal about um, Dallas Jenkins talks in the beginning of, of all this about the filming it and showing, showing the scenes so fast. Yeah. Because, um, interestingly also, this is background stuff, they filmed this last July, July 2019, and it took them five days to film this scene mm. of the healing. And wow. it was, I don't know where they filmed it, but he says it was brutally, brutally hot the whole time. So they had to manage everybody's hydration, everybody's sweating and stuff, and they everybody's drinking water constantly. I, I, I want to say, I, th- I, think, I, don't th- I don't think I saw this exact clip, but I do think I've seen uh, somewhere... Where Dallas is Dallas, the show creator, uh, he says that where, wherever they are, they're on a. It's a very small set. It looks like a big set, you know, because it's been edited to look that way. Uh, but like, like for example, on the other side where uh, where uh, Quintus and Matthew and Gaius had their conversation earlier, on the other side of that, that was uh, Zebedee's home. Oh, really? like, like that's how that's how that's compressed. compressed it is. Yeah, that's how yeah. tight the spaces were. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, tight. You know, tight physical space. I want to say they were somewhere in Texas. Filming. Probably, Texas is hot. I can, Te- that's what I, I hear. I can um, I can give direct testimony to that. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Yes. It, um, and, and in July, it's even hotter. Yes. Yes. I want I want to say they might have even been in. Dallas, Texas. Yeah. You well, know, the, the further east you go in Texas, the the more humid it gets, and it's mm. um, Houston. I'm told is absolute hell on earth. Oh man, <laughs> because just, it's hot it's and just, humid. It's just a swamp. It it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. So anyway. So anyway. So that's so. The, but it was a really complicated scene to film because there there's so many camera angles because they're getting like there's so many people and they're getting their, they're trying to get their, all the reactions to, to all this, mm-hmm. right? They're, so they're not just filming one sort of set. They're filming this person and this person and these two people and these three people and yeah. all at the, kind of at the same time. It's a, it, it was a, it was a pretty complicated sort of deal. Um, so uh, Tamar and her friends are now up on the roof. They finally managed to get up on the roof of Zebedee's house. And she looks down through a hole in the roof, um, and it's probably the hole that's that's nor, you know that most houses had a hole in the roof because they'd put a ladder up there and go out and do stuff. Sometimes when it was really hot, they'd sleep up on the roof, mm. right? Um, you know, in, in the old days, uh, did you did you grow up? Did you have air conditioning in your house the whole time you were growing up? I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. See, yeah. I didn't. Oh. Now we lived in Pennsylvania, so it didn't get as hot there. But mm. when I was growing up, we didn't have air conditioning, so it was we we'd lay there at night in the summer. Windows wide open, mm. fan on, hoping for a little breeze. Yeah. Just laying there in the bed without any covers on, just 
<laughs> trying to cool down. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so that's the way we all used to live, right? Even in Texas, unbelievably. Yeah. Um, so she looks down through this hole in the roof and she sees Jesus. And Jesus is talking about lighting a lamp and putting it on a stand where everybody can see it, right? Which is interesting too, because what Jesus about to, is about to do is on a lamp, and everybody's going to be able to see it. Like yeah. this is everybody's watching now. Mm -hmm. The Romans, the the um, the Pharisees, mm -hmm. and this huge crowd, right? So if the wedding, if the wedding wedding feast miracle was out in the open, this is even more so. Yeah. Right? Um. So Jesus, look, she she hollers down to Jesus through this hole, Jesus of Nazareth, and he looks up. And she says, I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. And they begin to lower her friend down. She says, my friend has been paralyzed since childbirth. He has no hope but you. Please do for him what you did to the leper. And they start tearing the roof off. Now, if I was Zebedee, I'd be thinking, you better fix is, that. This is my house now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you don't ever see any of that, right? There's yeah. something bigger than than that going on, right? Sure, yeah. Um, and she says, if you're if you're willing, I think she said, I don't remember if, if she says this or if the paralyzed man says this, if you're willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. Same thing that the leper said to Jesus. Yeah. And the man is lowered down right before Jesus and everyone is watching this intently. Shemuel runs forward to get a better look and he's now right at the window Simon climbs up the ladder. Matthew's now sitting on the roof um, next to a couple of kids. And Simon leads into Matthew and say, says, is this what you wanted? I'll say Matthew's not just sitting beside any kids, but he's sitting next to Abby and Joshua. Did you is recognize that, that? No, I yeah. didn't recognize yeah, that. Yeah, that's Abby and Joshua. I did not notice Joshua that. the Brave. Joshua the Brave mm -hmm. from, the, from the children episode. Yeah. I did not notice that. Yeah, because when they... Uh, Simon goes over. Simon goes over to, over to him and says, "So the man who's doing all this, his name is." And then Abby cut, cuts him off and says, "Yeah, it's Jesus of Nazareth. We we know him." <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Boy, I'm yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. And I think that I think that speaks to Simon's not Simon to Matthew's character too because he's sitting with the children as if he himself. Is like a child. It's like a child, and in a sense, you know, he, with he the is. way his character has developed, yeah, that he very that much is no guile, right? So, right, yeah. right. So, oh yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in this little sequence. Yeah, yeah, lots of little again, lots of little quick mm -hmm. snippets. You know, just a, a a thirty second conversation here, a ten second conversation here. Yeah, so you really got to really got to see um, everything that's going on on the on his way up to the window, Shemuel. Uh, you know, he's trying to get by some dude and the dude says, Hey, sh I'm trying to listen. And Shemuel gets like personally offended. He's like, do you not know who I am? Right. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you know who you're talking to? Exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's so arrogant. Right. Yeah. He thinks he should be honored everywhere. Yeah. Um, so now Shemuel is right up at the window and he's looking in and he says to Jesus, you, by whose authority do you teach? Answer me. Tamar calls down from the roof says, if you're willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. Shemuel says, hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Uh, where did you study? And Jesus totally ignores him. Mm -hmm. right? um, and she says to he says to Tamar, your faith is beautiful. Yeah. And then he turns to the paralyzed man and says, son, take heart. 
your sins are forgiven. Now, if you've ever read this story, that's an odd thing to say. Yeah. Right? But there's a, like, Jesus says this for a reason. He says it to get under Shemuel's goat. Exactly. Because <laughs> he knows there's a bunch of Jews listening. In, that's the, right. in, the, in the Bible story, there's more than just Shemuel there. Right, there's, right. There's some, you know, a, a little crowd of Pharisees. Um, so he says, your sins are forgiven. And Shemuel's get huge at that. Yeah. Right? He's, right? And then Jesus looks at him and he says, uh, allowed the questions that he knows are in Shemuel's head. So he says, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone, right? But I ask you, Jesus says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? In, in other words, that's a little awkward phrase when you read it in scripture. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's, I, I, I sometimes think about what, what's the easiest thing to, to sort of prove, right? Um, and Jesus says, um, so which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? He says, it's easier to say anything. Like you can, words, you're cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man, and this is the first time he's used that term in the chosen to refer to himself. Yeah. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he turns to the paralyzed man. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And the paralyzed man stares at his feet. And you see on the screen, you see his feet filling up the screen. And they're just there. And after he stares at his feet, and after a second or two, you start seeing his toes start to wiggle. And the, eye, the guy's eyes get wide when he sees that he can wiggle his toes. First time in his life, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the man gasps and then he draw, starts to draw his legs up under him and he stands upright. Jesus grabs him and helps him. Jesus says, easy does it. And the man starts crying and Jesus smiles. And there's that smile again. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I love when Jesus does something for someone and they, and he, and he changes their life. Jesus takes such great pleasure in doing that. In the, in the chosen. And that's something we don't see in the Bible. When we read that in the Bible, I think it's legit, but we don't see it, right? Yeah. Um, There's one of the reasons I, I love this. Um, and the guy falls into Jesus' arms. Everyone applauds except Shemuel. Right, right. right. Um, even Nicodemus out there smiles a bit at this. Nicodemus is, uh, like, and there's that, because like shortly after this, this is when the Roman guards, when Gaius and Marcus, I think they come in and they start breaking up the crowd, you know, pushing people over, trying yeah. to clear, you know, cause I guess technically they were quote blocking the road, but mm. you know, even then, uh, but as, as the guards are pushing their way through the crowd, the paralytic, he starts walking out of the house in Nicodemus's direction. And the, there's some, there's some really cool camera they, they, work here. They pass just feet from each other. Like, yeah. 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 And like like everything is in slow motion, uh, but you can tell that there's a huge focus uh, from the camera on Nicodemus, and there's a huge focus on the paralytic. And as they pass by each other, just Nicodemus's face and his whole his whole and demeanor the, and the the paralyzed guy's face. Yeah, because he because he sees Nicodemus and he knows who Nicodemus is. Yeah, and he sees Nicodemus, but the the paralyzed or the paralytic, he just says, or he doesn't even say anything. He he walks by and then he has a little smirk on his face. Yeah, yeah, like, a little kind of a smile. Like man, 
even in front of you, I, I can't believe this happened. Yeah, you right, know? right, right. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's really, it's really cool. It's yeah. very yeah. Uh, cathartic. Yeah. If we want yeah. to throw in that word. Yep. And Jesus looks up at Tamar and, and, um, uh, they have this little connection up there. She's crying. He smiles at her. And then Jesus turns to look at Shemuel and Shemuel without mm. blinking turns mm. and shouts, Roman guards, a threat to the public peace, mm-hmm. right? So he's, he saw, he just saw this, mm-hmm. this miracle. Is the thing you can be so hard-hearted that that God can't even get through. Yeah, right. And Shemuel is right, and of course, who's, as soon as he shouts that, the Romans rush toward the house with swords drawn. Um, Simon runs out through the back, runs in through the back door. And says, "Teacher, this way." It's it's just like getting the president out of a dangerous situation. It's yeah. like Secret Service, you know. Yeah. Grab the president and run. And they rush out. Zebedee shuts the door, right, the back door. And and Nicodemus sees this paralyzed guy, and they have this beautiful little slow motion moment that you just described. Um, then Nicodemus spots Mary, and remember they know each other, uh-huh. right? So he hollers at her, and he said, "And and and." Mary and she says you saw you saw this and he says I saw a paralyzed man walk past me on his two feet and she says you asked me before if I knew his name now everybody knows his name and I fear for his safety and Nicodemus says I'm I, I'm you know he tells her I, I don't mean any trouble to him Mary says but your friends just tried to have him arrested and Nicodemus says they're jealous they're afraid but I'm not so he distances himself from the other Pharisees. Mm-hmm. He says, I promise, Mary, please, I need to talk to him. Mary says, well, like I'm not, I follow him. He doesn't follow me, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't tell anyone his plans. And Nicodemus wants her to ask him for a meeting in secret under cover at night at, at, at a place of his choosing. He says, I don't care if it's a ravine or a cave or even a tomb. Mm-hmm. I just need to speak with him. Mary, please. She says, well, I'll try. Matthew climbs down off the ladder, looks back up at the kids sitting on the edge of the roof. Um, Abby and... Uh, Joshua. Joshua, the yeah, brave, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're up there eating figs or something, and one of the kids says, are you lost to Matthew? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Matthew says, yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, profound little moment there. Mm-hmm. Matthew realizes his own brokenness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the the Romans bust in on Zebedee's door, and and um, um, he sees that the back door is ajar and the room's empty. And then behind the 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 house, I guess Matthew sees Jesus walking away with his disciples, and just about as Jesus is about to turn the corner, he stops, and he turns around and looks directly at Matthew, mm-hmm. and their eyes meet, and they just stare at each other for a minute. And then Jesus turns around and walks away. Mm. But they've had a connection, and we're going to see That's we're going right, to see we that come again mm-hmm. in, in next next week. I think next week we'll see Jesus and Matthew again together. Yeah, that's right. So, so what, what? Wrapping this up, what do you what, what what stands out to you in the in this episode the most? Do you think? I don't know. There's there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do with Matthew, this go around. Uh, you know, Simon's already had his share in the limelight. Um, we've already seen, uh, you know, we've seen the focus on Jesus with the wedding at Cana. Uh, 
there seems to be a lot. I think there's a lot with Matthew here. Uh, there's a lot, also a lot with Nicodemus, which I mean, these are, these are two, even if they're not the main threads of the season so far, these have been two pretty dominant threads. Right. Yeah, I would say Nicodemus is one of the main threads. Yeah, of yeah, this, it, yeah. Of this season for Very sure, true. for sure, and all that's going to culminate next week. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is why Dallas Jenkins says that ne- next week, ep- next week's episode is the, the main thing. Yeah, it's the like it, it, it in his mind. I think this was the main story in in this first season. Yeah, was what's this conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and, I, and with this particular episode, we've got a wonderful buildup to that because now we're seeing more of we're seeing more of Nicodemus's separation from his tribe, from his from his group of other Pharisees. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe not even necessarily so much with Shemuel, but with the whole group. Yeah. Uh, even the Avbet Dean or you know the ABD or whoever it is. <laughs> um, and then with ABD. Matthew, with Matthew, we're we're also seeing. We're seeing this connection between Matthew and Gaius fully, fully, or not maybe not fully, but more developed than it once was. Because uh, there's a there's a there's that brief little glimpse of the relationship when they're guarding the treasure, you know, yeah. or excuse me, guarding the taxes or the the proceeds of the taxes. Yeah. And Gaius makes a comment of. Um, you know, try to act like a normal person under normal circumstances. And that hurts Matthew when he says that. And Gaius, very uncharacteristically of the Roman, uh, anyone, of anyone Roman, he actually sees that what he said just hurt somebody. Yeah. Let alone it just hurt Matthew, who is... Well, and... Yeah. And um, Gaius, I think, is very aware of the fact that Matthew's work... Got him his promotion. Yeah, that too. He, you know, he he didn't. Quintus didn't give him a promotion just because he's done a good job. He's done a good job with Matthew. Yeah, like Matthew has done a good job, and it trickles down to to Gaius. So yeah. he knows that he Quintus is taken with Matthew, and and that in all that that's gone on, this is. So he's he's he realizes that I don't I don't know if debt is the right word, but he realizes. There's there's something to this wonderfully odd guy. Yeah. That that yeah. I kind of owe my promotion to. Right. Right. And there's there's just and even when uh, before Gaius is called away to go tend to Jesus preaching on the in the house at the corner at Zebedee's house, uh, Matthew says, "Well, I want to come too," and and yeah. Gaius says, "Look, I can't I can't, I can't afford protect to protect you. you." And Matthew says, "Well." what do you think I do with my life for the other 16 hours of the day? Right. Right. So I don't know. There's, there's, I feel like there's big things coming with Matthew and Gaius specifically, and maybe even Gaius on his own because it'll be interesting to see how Gaius reacts to Matthew's. This is Matthew, right? He's one of the apostles, right? So he's going to, he's going to leave the tax booth and go follow Jesus. How's, how's Gaius going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll We'll see. I think the thing that stands out to me in this episode is just how eager Jesus is to bless people, to teach them, to heal them, to love them. And I think, I think for a lot of people, I think sometimes we've concocted this this picture of God as 
as an angry God, as a judge, as a, kind of kind of a little bit mad at all of us because we don't always follow the rules perfectly, right? Yeah. But but we got to remember John John says in John one eighteen that while no one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is in closest relationship with the Father, Jesus has made Him known. So in other words, we see the truest picture of who God is by looking at Jesus. And God loves us, mm-hmm. and he wants the very best for us. And the best for us all is to be in a relationship with him, to follow him and to learn from him. Um, the, the idea that, that God actually takes delight in us yeah. is, a, is for some, I think, a, a bit of a foreign concept. And it is, it is something we need to make friends with again. Yeah. Right? If, if you're out there and you, and you have always seen God as this harsh, angry judge who is perpetually displeased with you. You need to you need to catch a different glimpse of, of this, of who God is. None of this means that God doesn't want to change us. Of course, He wants to change us. Um, he wants to change us all to be more like Him, right? Yeah. Because because the more we become like Him, the better everything gets for us, right? Um, this episode is titled "Indescribable Compassion." And I think that is a good way of understanding Jesus, right? Um, also, when God does something, it always affects far more people than just the initial recipient. Um, we saw that in last week's episode. We talked about at the wedding feast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this, this miracle of changing water into wine affected everybody at, at that wedding. And it brought people together in a unified whole, very much like the kingdom of God. You know, that, that is, that is, I think that is a, a picture of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be, yeah. right? But it, it, but it happened because of that miracle. So it wasn't just the, the miracle. And, and interestingly, that's one of the things they really wanted to show in The Chosen. Um, the reactions to the miracle are always as important and dramatic as the miracle itself. Yeah. Um, that's why they show much, so much of that in The Chosen. And that's in this, that's in this video that we'll put. Uh, at the end here, G, um, Dallas Jenkins talks about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's certainly true in this episode, and that's something I think we just don't think about as much as we should. Um, to me, it's a kingdom thing, right? Uh, because God is always working to accomplish bigger things than just what first catches our eye. Yeah. Right. The 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 miracle. Um, he's drawing us together. He's creating for him for himself a a people for his own possession, which is what Israel was supposed to be. It's now what what we, the, the reconstituted Israel, is supposed to be, right? He is building a kingdom, a kingdom that we're all invited to, a kingdom um, that, that will have no end, and a kingdom that is characterized by love and joy and peace and goodness and all the things we all, deep down in our heart, crave most. Yeah. And that's why this is so good. And with that... Stand on it, on it. Excuse me. Uh, with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. we got two more episodes of The Chosen to talk about. Um, as always, we would appreciate it if you'd tell others about this podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on the, whatever place you get your podcast. Um, please visit our Facebook group. Um, and um, again, if there's things you want to say about any of these episodes or if you want to ask questions about it um, please do, do so there check out our website thejesussociety.com thanks for listening 
And remember, you are greatly loved.